So I'm Hazen Stevens. I'm our executive pastor. I'm really, really grateful, and I don't mind having a little bit shorter time because Jesus was exalted in our worship this morning, and people made commitments to Jesus, rededications, first-time decisions, and there's really nothing more important that we came here for than to encounter Jesus, whether you're encountering him, encountering him for the first time or whether you're encountering him uh, in the place where you need breakthrough. And so I do feel, though, that this morning that I, I truly have a word from the Lord for us. And about three or four weeks ago, I, I sensed the Lord speak to me just this simple phrase, 21 days of fearless living. And, and I felt like it was an invitation to me personally, but also to look at that as a, a, a place of biblical focus over the first few weeks of this, of this new year. And so we actually scheduled this series around that subject, and Billy and Rolando have done an, an excellent job expounding on these ideas over the last few weeks. I'm going to review some of their thoughts. And then we've been doing a daily devotional. I've been doing it on my social media, and we've also been publishing it on the Gate City social media. I believe the daily devotional today is from Billy. And I just want to encourage you, we have one more week of that left. And so you can jump in and participate. And one of the things that I didn't expect is how people are using those devotionals to minister to their friends, uh, to other groups that are outside our community, where uh, in particular, there was one person in our community who is a, a cancer survivor and has relationship with someone in Texas. And that person is battling cancer presently, and they've been watching the devotionals and, and really receiving the ministry of the Lord and the ministry of the Spirit and getting free from fear in the midst of their life-threatening battle. And so I've just been really encouraged by how God, the testimony of how God is using those devotionals. And so that's something that can be a resource to you, also a resource to others that you know that may need to grow in living fearlessly. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I do want to tell us a, a few things this morning in terms of the content that we're going to go over. I'm going to review just briefly the last two weeks. I'm going to talk a little bit today about something. I, I, I'm carrying a certain sobriety in my heart because I, I sense that there is, that there is a, an urgency that we have to grasp about this message. And we don't select our messages simply based on what we feel like people need to hear. We really try to pray and discern what is the Spirit of God inviting us to preach and teach on. So we're not only preaching felt need messages. We do want to meet people in their areas of need, but we want to prioritize what is the Spirit of God saying to his church, even above what people want to hear, even above what people need to hear. And I sense that this is a message that will speak to people's specific context, but also a message that we need to take heart concerning the future days to come in our nation and globally, as I believe that there are the most perilous times in human history that we are going to be facing. And we've gone through some challenging times in the past few years, and I, I want to say this with a sense of humility, uh, but I also want to say it very seriously that I don't know that we've learned the lessons regarding fear that God intended us to learn through the COVID-19 season. And I believe that these moments where we touch global shaking are to instruct the church and to prepare our hearts and to humble us and show us our places of vulnerability. And if we respond in humility, ask God to strengthen us, I believe we'll be prepared for the most challenging times that are coming on the earth. If we dismiss those opportunities, if we in some ways try to find the quickest exit 
distract ourselves. Don't learn the lessons of how to live fearless in the midst of trial. Don't learn the lessons of how to trust God in the midst of difficulty. Don't learn the lessons of how to, to uh, suffer with our gospel witness through trying times. I believe that when the, the most severe times of pressing come, there will be many that will be unprepared and that will be not just in the culture, but in the church. And so I I wanna give a little bit of that context concerning why it's important for the future for us to talk about these things now. I wanna share a little bit of my own testimony vulnerably, uh, things that I've never shared before publicly in where I've had to face personal battles against anxiety. And then I wanna close with three spiritual keys to what I believe is victory. And I, I sense today that God wants to set people on a path to victory over anxiety. And there are a variety of physical and emotional disorders and sicknesses that, that come with chronic anxiety and fear. And I believe God wants to miraculously heal some people in this season. I also believe, as with my journey, as I'll share later, that God also wants to put people on a path to progressive healing. Sometimes God works a miracle and he delivers you of something instantaneously and thank God for the miracles. Sometimes God produces the same result, but he does it through, an, through a testimony of gradual and progressive victory and both have incredible value. You know, I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying that when I grant a miracle, no one can tell you how to reproduce that. So if you want victory from anxiety, you want victory from some struggle, but God does it miraculously in your life, there's no way to to encourage a person to reproduce that. God just did a miracle. But if you progressively gain victory over anxiety through meditating on God's word, through prayer, through therapy, whatever the variety of means are, you can give someone else that same testimony of hope no matter where they are in their own journey. And so we have to see that there is value both in the miraculous and there's also value in God taking us through the the midst of a trial. And so we wanna close our time today asking God to do those two things, asking God to produce both the miraculous deliverance and then also to grant wisdom and strength for the journey. Amen? Amen. So last week, Rolanda did a really good job just practically breaking down three areas where people encounter fear, right? in our families and, and worry and concern for our loved ones, in our finances, and then also concerning our future, which is so interesting because I'll mention a study later and, and that study is, is categorizing the places where people have the most anxiety going into 2023 and family finances and future are three of the main places where our culture is most anxious concerning what's coming in 2023. And then Billy, the week before, talked a little bit about what I was just mentioning, the preparation for the last days and, and why it's not just enough for us. It, we have to understand that our victory today is part of a larger story of the most perilous times in human history that are going to be coming to the earth. And 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, there's actually 19 social characteristics that describe those perilous times. And I'm just going to read them to you. I'm gonna be in the scripture quite a bit today. And so if you do wanna follow along, you can hit that QR code and follow along on your digital device, follow along in the notes, or if you wanna come back to those. I'm not gonna be able to touch because of our limited time, all the scriptures that are, that are in the notes, but I encourage you to go back and, and have those as a resource for study. And so in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, men will be lovers of themselves, 
lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And so that's a description of what scripture calls perilous times, fearsome times where it says those, those darkest behaviors of humanity are going to be more openly displayed than any other time in human history. Jesus in Matthew 24, he gives seven clear global trends. They're false Christs and false prophets, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nation, which can also speak of ethnic conflict or spiritual conflict, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And we see, even in the phenomenon of COVID-19, that that, though it was not the most deadly disease in human history, it has been one of the more unique because it's one of the few global pestilences, global diseases that touched almost every nation in the earth. And so we see that, that though there are challenging times ahead, I believe those challenging times will be the most glorious for the church. Because while society panics and responds to the difficulty with uncertainty and fear, that becomes an opportunity for the church to say, though everything around us is being shaken, we have an unshakable kingdom. We have a God who is our refuge in the midst of the shaking of the nations. But the time to learn that lesson is not in the most violent shaking that human history has ever seen. And I, I actually want you to, if you can, open your Bible to this first section. And I just want to take a moment and break down a Bible story and emphasize this exact point that I'm making. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse one. And for the sake of time, I'm not gonna read the full text. I'm gonna paraphrase it for you. But if you do wanna read these highlighted verses, and I believe they'll be appearing on the screen as well. And a lot of these thoughts are actually taken from the Enduring Word Commentary. And so I just want to reference that, that that's where some of the bullet points in this set of notes is taken and the footnote is there in the notes. So we see in Jeremiah chapter 12, Jeremiah has not yet gone into his full-blown ministry in Jerusalem. He's actually still in his hometown of Anathoth. And in Jeremiah 12.1, Jeremiah the prophet brings a complaint to the Lord. And he's acknowledging, basically like we do, we go, God, I know you're good, but it doesn't seem to me like you're very good right now in the situation I'm facing. How many of you have ever had a conversation with God like the one Jeremiah is about to have? He goes, I know you're righteous, Lord, but I'm bringing a situation, I'm bringing a case before you, and I want to speak to you about how I'm I'm perceiving your justice. And so he does it with a heart of humility, but he also is bringing a very genuine complaint. He goes, why does the way of the wicked prosper and why do all the faithless live at ease? And he's not bringing this up as a philosophical question. He's actually already beginning to experience the pressure of his hometown community, his neighbors, his family members, opposing the message that the Lord had put in Jeremiah's mouth. It was an unpopular message, which was that Israel needed to turn, otherwise they were going to face judgment from the land of Babylon. 
And he's beginning to preach this very unpopular message that the land needs to turn and repent from its idolatry. And he's experiencing pressure from the people that are closest to him. And the Lord, we have to hear this, that this is actually the kindness of God. But the Lord responds to him and says this in verse, verse Jeremiah 12, verse 5. He says, if you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? And what that means is, Jeremiah, you're contending with your friends and your neighbors, and you're faltering in offense, and you're questioning my judgment and my justice. What is it going to be like for you when I have you prophesying in Jerusalem? What is it going to be like for you when the Babylonian captivity actually comes upon you? And this is, I believe, the kindness of a coach, the kindness of a father, When the person comes and says, this is really hard. My assignment's really hard. And he goes, the reality is, in kindness, the Lord is saying, the assignment is about to get harder. You really have to get ready. So he's going, you're contending with the footmen. Those on horses are about to come. The footmen are soldiers that run on foot. He's going, you haven't been able to keep up with them. He goes, those riding on horses are about to come. He goes, if you stumble in safe country, I really believe this is a word for us, Gate City. If you stumble in the adversity of the present challenges and are unable to be unoffended and courageous in the present circumstances, how are you going to manage when you get thrust into the wilderness? The thickets by the Jordan. He needs to learn how to trust God and draw on his strength in the present challenge in order to prepare him for greater challenges in the future. If he found it difficult in Anathoth, how would he fare in Jerusalem? Later on, I would have to spend a night in the stocks, Jeremiah 20, confinement in the cistern, Jeremiah 38, eventually imprisonment in the court of the guard, Jeremiah 38, The troubles he was having in Anathoth were nothing compared to the troubles he would have later in Jerusalem, Babylon, and Egypt. And the reality is that when hard things are coming, things that are even challenging, I mean, the number one reason I think people choose to not read the book of Revelation is they'll tell you it's confusing and it's scary. If we're too scared to read the book, our hearts are entirely unprepared when the events of that book come upon us. And we have to recognize that that uh, splash of cold water in the face, it can feel that way, right? Is the kindness of the Lord because the reality is those days are coming. They really are coming. And, and the trend of history presently tells us that we know, we know without question, irrefutably, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. But the trends should tell us that it is a time to be sober and watchful. Not fearful, but sober. Luke 21, 34. Read this with me as it appears on the screen. Be careful that your hearts are not weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day, the day of the Lord, will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you are able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. 
Now the issue of us being watchful is not about us building a bunker in our backyard for the end days. It's not about you, and praise God, if you've got a bunker, I would love to come there when things get hard. <laughs> but, but the main thing he's telling you to be watchful over is that your hearts would not be weighed down. That your hearts would be prepared to endure the midst of anxiety. I remember early on in my walk with the Lord, I, the Lord spoke to me and he said that I, uh, one of the, the assignments of my life is to encourage the faint-hearted, that specific phrase. And then the Lord took me to Luke 21, verse 26, where it says, people in the last days are going to faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. There is a day ahead where people are going to literally in their hearts faint because of other versions say the fearful expectation of the things to come. And we don't only want to be courageous ourselves in those moments, we want to be so courageous that we understand how to give strength to others as the body of Christ. We want to be prepared ourselves and preparing others for the most fearful days humanity has ever experienced. And can I tell you, though those days are going to be fearsome, they're also going to be a glorious hour for the witness of the church. Because it's in that moment when pressure comes, when pestilence and earthquakes and famines come, we get to stand and say, we are not afraid because of our God. While the rest of the earth is melting away in terror and fear. I say all that to say, we're going to focus in a moment with the 15 minutes we have left on how we gain victory in our smaller story. But what compels my heart truly to get victory in my smaller story over the places of anxiety is understanding that I'm going to have to run with the horsemen. That I'm actually going to have to prepare others in a time of unprecedented difficulty. And so I wanna challenge you, there is something bigger than just your story going on in the earth. And we, especially as a church, feel the unique assignment to prepare ourselves in prayer, in fasting, and in the scriptures so that we can be a source of courage to a terrified world. Be careful that your hearts are not weighed down. Always be on the watch. Pray that you would be able to escape. Not escape like escape the difficulty, but walk with the Lord in strength through the difficulty. It's funny because Psalm 23, I don't know if I'll have time to talk about it, but we're so familiar with that passage that sometimes we gloss over the language, you know, but, but for me, as I've been studying fear, I'm like, oh, there's so many of my favorite scriptures that tell me things about how to address fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How many of you guys want the comfort of God in your life? That's everybody, right? I want the comfort of God. Where's the comfort of God? Walking with him through the valley. I'm like, is there a detour, please, <laughs> where I get to go around the valley? He goes, well, yeah, you can try and take the detour of comfort and avoidance, right? But that's not, the that's not the way I'm walking. I'm walking with you through the valley. If you want my rod and my staff to comfort you, you have to follow the shepherd where he's leading. What if where he's leading you is through a fearful valley? So let's talk for a moment about what our culture is facing 
I'm going to take a moment now. I'm just going to pause for a moment and just pray so that I can use my last 15 minutes. I need God's grace to say everything I want to say in this time. Lord, I thank you for the moment that we're living in in history, and I pray that you would prepare people to live courageously, that they would be burning and shining lamps, Lord, like John the Baptist was in the midst of his transitional generation. I ask, Lord, for a a witness of clarity in the midst of turbulent and perilous times. I pray that our hearts would be unafraid. I pray that we would have grace to study these things, to pray, to fast, and be spiritually prepared for the challenges that are coming. I pray that you would teach us in this hour to run with the footmen, Lord, that in the hour when the horses fill the land, Lord, when the difficulty and adversity that is coming is upon us, Lord, that we would be prepared for that hour, as prepared as we can be. So release grace on us and release grace for victory even in the present battles. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're in the notes, we are on page five, I believe. And I want to talk about as a culture where we're facing anxiety and and fear, and I just thought this was fascinating. So this is from the American Psychiatric uh, Association, and this this is a recent study that they published in December going into 2023. And so I'll just read from a quote from this article. As 2022 draws to a close, nearly two out of five, that's 37% of Americans, rated their mental health as fair to poor. And that's up 6% from this same study that they conducted last year. So 31% last year, 37% this year. More than one in four report they anticipate experiencing more stress at the start of 2023 than at the start of 2022. It was 25, 20% last year, it's 26% this year. And when asked about their sources of anxiety going into the new year in this study, they said they were somewhat or very anxious about the following. 64% were anxious, this is up from 58%, 64% were anxious about their personal finances. 55% were anxious about the uncertainty of 2023. 49% their physical health, which I find a certain irony to this, were dealing with anxiety about their own mental health, which you can see how that would be a compounding problem. 31% relationships with friends and family, 27% job security, 26% romantic relationships. (laughs) Number eight, 24% were anxious about keeping their New Year's resolution. (laughs) And then 21% were anxious about traveling, which was the only one of those numbers that declined in anxiety from last year. So Americans are more anxious about their personal finances, the uncertainty of 2023, their physical health, their mental health, their relationship with friends and family, their job security, their romantic relationships, and keeping their New Year's resolution. They're more anxious about all those things than they were at this time last year. And I think we know that intuitively, that we are dealing with an increasingly anxious and fearful society. What really stood out to me about this study, though, is when Jesus commands people to not worry and to not be fearful, one of the number one things he highlights is not worrying about your provision and your finances. And yet that is the number one thing our society is worried about in the most affluent society in all of human history. That tells me that getting more of what it is you're worried about doesn't actually solve the problem of your worry. We in this room are more wealthy than probably any generation in human history. And yet, America as a whole is more anxious about money than they were at this time last year. The other thing that I found very interesting was that the number two thing 
that people were most anxious about was something that they have absolutely no ability to control. The number two thing was uncertainty around 2023. And that's what people were anxious about. How can you manage anxiety about something you have no ability to control? And when I read this, I got a little anxious when I was reading the list of all the things. (laughs) Maybe you're feeling a little anxious as I read the things that, all the things that our society is anxious about. But I looked at it and I thought, you know what? This is, not just, this is not just a description of problems. For the church, this should be an opportunity. Because you have the answer to people's anxiety around their personal finances. And that is God as a provider. You have the answer to people's uncertainty around 2023 because God is sovereign and he holds the future in his hand. You have the answer to the uncertainty around their physical health because God is a healer. And so on. We, as the church, have the solution. But have we, have we embraced that solution in ourselves and have we gained victory over our own anxieties so that we can live fearless as a witness to a very fearful culture? Paul amazingly says to the Philippians, he says in two different places, he goes, basically, my chains, he goes, I'm actually excited about my chains because my courageous response to my chains is emboldening the believers that are around me when he was imprisoned in Rome. And he actually says to the Philippians, he says, you shouldn't be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them they will be destroyed, but you will be saved. And he goes, when you have courage in the face of whatever opposition you're facing, that is a witness of your eternal salvation when you live fearless. So I want to pause right there. I I think I've given you reason enough, right, to go, okay, I want to gain victory in my own life for the sake of the society in which we want to be a witness, for the sake of my own preparation for the times to come, and for the sake of my own peace in in my heart and the heart of my family, right? And so, To those of you in this room who'd say, I'm struggling with anxiety in some place and I'm hearing what you're saying and I want victory, before I give you the nuggets on how I think we're gonna get victory, I wanna just say to you first that you're not alone. And I really felt in preparation as I was praying, this may be one of the most important things some of you in this room hear today. And for those that are even watching on the internet, it's very important for us to hear because fear desires to isolate. And when the enemy presses us into isolation, we begin to think, I must be the only one that's afraid in this way. We get isolated and we lose the support of the body of Christ or we get into shame concerning our fear before God. I wanna tell you, Jesus was a human being and he knew what it was to face anxiety and fear because he faced many fearful situations. And it says in every way he's been tempted as we are. Jesus knows what it's like to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and to battle against the temptation to be afraid. I wanna tell you, sometimes it's easy to look at spiritual leaders or people that are up here preaching and go, you know what? That's good for you to tell me not to be afraid, but it doesn't seem like you're dealing with the kinds of fears that I deal with on a, on a daily basis. Life seems pretty good for you. And I just wanna say clearly, I have battled and had to persevere through anxiety. I'm gonna share as briefly as I can even my own personal testimony for just a moment as we invite people into the three 
things that I, I think give us victory, and I've found victory in these three areas myself. And so I know what it feels like to battle through anxiety. God knows what it's like to battle through anxiety. And I promise you, if you turn to somebody in your row sitting next to you today, I promise you, each of them has a story about where they've had to face some fear in their lives. And it's amazing the variety of different fears we have to face. I mean, some people, if I said, raise your hand, you know, I'm not going to do it right now, but you might have a fear of raising your hand in church. Um, (laughs) Some of us are afraid to be alone, right? Some of us are afraid to be around people. Some of us are afraid of speaking in public or singing in public, right? Some of us, some of us talk all the time because we don't want to slow down because that would put us in touch with the quiet anxiety that we're holding inside, right? Some of us are dealing with anxiety every day because life circumstances are, are forcing us to confront places of fear. Maybe you're afraid of people and you have a sales job. Maybe that's by God's design for you to face your fears. There are others of us that, you know, we went remote and thank God we don't have to be around people and we're able to avoid our fears every day, <laughs> right? The social anxiety you dealt with before you don't have anymore because you can hide behind your computer now. And I'm, I'm telling you, whether, whether you have to face your fears every day or for me, I had a certain opportunity to avoid my fears, okay? Everyone has them. And so I think the way I'm gonna use the balance of, of my time and joy, you can actually come on up if you're here because I really want to leave time for us to be ministered to, is I'm going to tell you the three keys to victory that I've experienced in my own life, and, and, then, and then I want to just share, you my, share with you my own testimony as we go into ministry time. And, uh, and since I'm a, a, a pastor, and I, I really like when my three points all start with the same letter, it might feel like a little bit of a stretch, but I think it helps us remember. These are the three spiritual principles that I want to leave us with today. Uh, They're very simple, but they're very powerful if we choose to do them, okay? The first one is that we have to think about God. We have to meditate on who he is with respect to the areas where we face fear. And meditation on who God is is an assured path to victory over fear. If you're afraid about provision for tomorrow, meditate on who God is as a father. If you're afraid about about a physical sickness in your body or some challenge that you're facing, meditate on who, think upon who God is as a healer. If you're facing some fear in your life related to your family, meditate on who God is as a brother. And so as we meditate on who God is, with the understanding that love is the defining characteristic, God is above all else, love, that love And that intimacy and that meditation upon the nature of God is going to drive out those places of fear from our lives. So we have to think upon who God is. And there's some scriptures that I put in there, but for the sake of time, we'll we'll pass by those. There is one that I want to read, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is who God promises to be to us. And I think a lot of times we get into fear and anxiety and worry because we just forget that we're held in God's hand. Or it doesn't feel like it, that we're held in his hand. But the reality is the truth of God's word is that you are held within God's hand. The second point I wanna share with us is we think about God and then we talk to God. Okay, Philippians 
Chapter four says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like the language of guard because the implication of of needing peace to guard your heart is that there's something attacking your heart and your mind. Maybe you have racing anxious thoughts that you can't go to sleep at night because you're so consumed in your thoughts about something. Maybe your heart and your emotions are distressed and troubled because of a place of anxiety. There's a promise that as you cast those cares upon him, he will care for you. So we think about God, we talk to God, and then this is, there's the most opportunity to treat this one as cliche, but I actually, when I was studying this in scripture, I believe this is the most transformative truth that I can give you today. We transcend our fears through trust in God through transcendent trust. What do I mean when I say that? Paul says it this way. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, though my outer life is wasting away, my inner self is renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing me for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For these things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Dustin was referencing this preaching point earlier, but in Psalm 27, one, David writes one of his most famous Psalms, one that were very popular here in the house of prayer. We love to talk about how David meditated on the beauty of the Lord. But when you go back and study that Psalm, you recognize the context of his meditation was extremely fearful circumstances. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Though enemies rise up against me to devour my flesh. I mean, these were people that were really after David. He says, an army encamps against me and war rises against me. There are times where David truly faced these situations. It's actually in 2 Samuel chapter five, when he gets anointed king over all of Israel and he takes his place in the capital city of Jerusalem, the Philistines twice come out and fill the valley with troops trying to hunt and destroy David. And what the scripture tells us is when he went out on the parapets of the wall of Jerusalem, or he walked out to see the army that was assembled that was seeking to destroy him as king, he looks at them and his general comes up next to him and says, well, David, what's the battle plan? And David looked out at the armies arrayed against him, those seeking to quote, devour his flesh. And he said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna lift my hands to the Lord. I'm gonna pray and worship him. And the general said, "Uh, excuse me, (laughs) Uh, we need a battle plan, David. Uh, There are armies arrayed against us. This is a desperate circumstance. This is a fearful situation. You're in danger for your life. And David goes, I know that's why I have to pray and seek the Lord. That's why I actually have to present myself before his beauty and focus on something that is transcended over my present circumstance. And when we do that, we're gonna be able to have the answer of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the face of the fiery furnace, right? And in that case, they did get delivered, but they weren't looking to God with the expectation of deliverance. They were simply looking to God with the expectation that he would be with them. Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, I'm gonna throw you in this fire unless you bow down and worship me. They go, we don't know if God's gonna deliver us or not, but what we do know is we know the right response and we know who's in charge. And we know that if we bow down and compromise right now before you, then then we know that we are jeopardizing something eternal. We're jeopardizing our relationship with, a, with, a, with the God who holds all these situations. Whether he chooses to deliver us or not, we're not sure, right? 
But what we do know is we know who's in charge. And he shows up in the furnace in that situation. But I wanna close with this, with this thought. Why was Jesus unafraid before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate was terrified of Jesus? It says Pontius, was very, Pontius Pilate, when he goes in to judge Jesus, said Pontius Pilate was very afraid. Why? Because he's used to people groveling and begging for their lives. And here was this man with the composure of a king. The Jews are saying he claims to be the son of God. He has some relationship with God that causes us to want to kill him. And Pontius Pilate goes in and he goes, this man's not responding in fear like everyone else. And he says to him in John 19, do you not realize that I have the power to turn you over to crucifixion, which was a horrific form of torture and death. Jesus looks at Pontius Pilate and says, you have no power over me except the power that is given from above. Jesus had a transcendent trust that allowed him to be unafraid and he actually had to walk through the valley of the shadow. He wasn't delivered. He actually had to go through the suffering, but he went through with confidence in God because he saw something more than the light and momentary affliction. It may, it may, sound, it may sound like an impractical point, but trusting God in a way that allows you to transcend. Think on who he is, talk to him about the places of concern and anxiety and put your trust in him that no matter how bad it gets, even if you die today, the very worst possible outcome of your day is only promotion for you in eternity. Truly, like you have won over sin, death, hell, the grave. There, there is nothing but the goodness of God in the land of the living and on into eternity for you, even in the midst of the hardest of situations. So you don't have to be afraid ever. Let's stand. So I wanna to give two invitations. If we could actually go ahead and bring the ministry team up, I wanna invite them to be present in the altar for the first group that I wanna call forward. So if we have our ministry team here, if you guys would just come down front. And what I wanna do is for those that are battling anxiety in your life, you're, you're struggling with sleeping. You know that you have some sickness in your body and you know that that sickness is connected to anxiety. Perhaps you've been struggling with panic attacks or struggling with a specific area of fear that's affecting your physical health. I just sense today that God wants to, to uh, have us pray for those situations first. So I want the altar ministry to be forward. You can come forward at any moment, but let's leave the altar workers available for those who are battling with physical infirmity related to fear and anxiety. And then for the rest of us, if you'd say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna begin to declare war today on a place of anxiety in my life. And I'm asking God to give me wisdom and to give me the strategy for victory. I wanna pray for you today. And I'm sorry because of time I didn't get into my personal testimony. I'm gonna actually share it. I'll make a point to share it on social media this week. So if you wanna hear my personal story of how God gave me victory, I would love to invite you to just check that out. You can check it out on my, my social media. I'll make sure I publish a video with that portion. So I wanna invite us forward. If you heard this message and you say, I, I, I want someone to pray with me. I want God to set me on a path for victory from anxiety. Again, if you have physical issues, just line up and let the altar team pray for you. But if you would say, I wanna ask God to deliver me from whatever level of fear you're dealing with, the altar is open. I just wanna invite you to come forward and let's worship together for a few minutes. Joy's gonna lead us.